0: Nope, Hebrews chapter 4. Back up to chapter 3. We need to look at the last part of chapter 3. Beginning in verse 12. Take heed, therefore, brethren, or take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left to us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise... And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, If they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Psalm 95 actually, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that entered in that entered in to his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The focus of chapter 4 and the end of chapter 3 is rest. Rest. The people who lived for 40 years in the wilderness had cattle to take care of, flocks to take care of. But for long periods of time, they were camped in the same location. And the wives had to keep the tents clean. And the husbands had to keep track of the cattle and all that. The kids had to gather the firewood. The daughters had to bring water. But that's just part of everyday life. How would you like to live knowing that you could be on the other side of the Jordan River living in houses you didn't build, eating food you didn't plant, with your herds feasting on green, luscious grass, inside walled cities, Where you didn't have to worry about the enemy attacking you. I mean, which option do you want? Option A, wilderness, or option B? Canaan. So what in the world is he talking about? Rest for believers. Why didn't these people get to go into Canaan? Because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. Now, you know the story. If you don't, I'm going to tell it to you again. So, just so, you know, so you know that you know it. They came out of the land of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea on dry land. They got on the other side. Got up on the, uh, the hills. And watched Pharaoh's army come down into the Red Sea. And the walls of water on each side collapsed and came rushing in. And drowned all of Pharaoh's army. And then they went from there. A few days journey. To this big oasis. And uh, with 70 palm trees. 70 palm trees. Some palm, some palm trees. Uh, I remember palm trees was an important part of the story. <laughs> yeah. And then they went from there to Mount Sinai. And there at Mount Sinai. They camped. And waited 40 days for Moses to come down off the mountain. And he comes down off the mountain. And in those 40 days. They have put a lot of their gold earrings into Aaron's possession and Aaron has made them a golden calf and they are feasting and partying and got wild music and nakedness and all this going on. It's a big orgy just like the Egyptians used to do. And Moses comes down off the mountain with Joshua and Joshua says... Moses, it's a battle. It's the sound of a battle. And Moses said, nope, that's a party. The music was the same. Okay? That's why I don't attend parties. I don't want God thinking I'm in some kind of a battle. (laughs) Okay? And you know what kinds of parties I'm talking about. Raves. So what's a rave? Yeah, you guys are old. Never mind. Okay? (laughs) Okay. A rave is where a bunch of kids get together with a, either a band or a DJ and lots of drugs and lots of alcohol, and they they dance and party and have this little orgy thing going on till middle of the night or later, until the police show up and break it up. Okay, and they wait for the next weekend to do it again somewhere else that's what was going on at the foot of Mount Sinai. Moses comes down and he takes those two tablets of stone and he smashes them. I mean, he throws them down. Breaks them. These are the people who said, whatsoever God saith, we will do. Whoa. Does that sound like a commitment to you? Sure. Moses goes back up the mountain. Well, it doesn't go up immediately. He takes the golden calf, and beats it into gold dust, scatters it on the water and makes people drink it. And uh, then he goes back up the mountain after he carves out two more tablets. God carved the first two. Moses had to carve the second two. Moses carves the mountain, takes them up the mountain, and God writes on them again in his own hand the Ten Commandments. This is how you're to live before me. And you trust me, I'll take care of you. You believe me, I'll take care of you. They're there for a little while longer, and then they move. After At the end of the year, they move to Kadesh Barnea, which is southern Israel. And from there, they go to Mount Hebron, to the village of Hebron, about 30 miles south of Jerusalem, and then up into Jerusalem and around uh, Mount Moriah, Jerusalem wasn't there yet. It's just a little city, the Jebusites. But, but they went around that way and down into the Jordan Valley and then up across the, the Galilee and then down through the Plain of Sharon and, and back down to Kadesh Barnea. And when they got back to Kadesh Barnea, they were carrying a cluster of grapes that it took two men to carry on a pole between them. Okay, big cluster of grapes. And they brought this evidence of incredible productive crops and fruits and vegetables in the fields. And they come back and they bring this this cluster of grapes in through the camp and everybody comes to see it. And oh my goodness, it's incredible. And they gather there in front of the tabernacle. Why? Because that's the middle of the camp. And there in front of the tabernacle, they put this stuff on display, and Moses begins to question them. And Joshua and Caleb say, man, this is like no place you've ever seen. This is a land that literally flows with milk and honey. There are walled cities for us to live in, and the crops are already planted, and the, Fruits and vegetables are already growing, and, and, and it's ours for the taking. Let's go get it. And the other ten spies said, well, it is exactly what they said. There are walled cities, and there are all these magnificent crops, but there's giants in the land. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. And we go in there, and they're going to slaughter us. Option A or option B? God had already said, I'm going to give you the land that I promised to Abraham. So do we believe God or do we believe the circumstances? Because the circumstances are pretty overwhelming. There really were giants in the land, 9, 10, 11, 12 feet tall. They've uncovered caskets that long with bones in them. God had already said. You go in and do what I tell you and I'll give you the land. And I'll let you take some of the cities and the others. I'll send hornets in. Okay? If God decides to send hornets into your house, how long are you going to be able to live there? You say, I'll just call the exterminator. Yeah, and when he gets close to your house, the hornets swarm on him. And he can't get out of the truck. Because these are God's hornets. And the people end up moving out. And God says, that's what I'm going to do for you. So, option A, believe God. Option B, believe the circumstances. They went with option B. They said, We're not going into the land. Moses said, Okay. You're right. God said, If you don't believe him, you're not going in the land. You don't have a choice now. Nobody over the age of 20 is going into the land out of all the numbered men. Now, who are the numbered men? Men that were able to fight. Out of all the tribes except the tribe of Levi. Levites didn't get numbered. And so all of the army of Israel is going to die in the wilderness. A lot of their wives died. Probably all their wives died. But they don't get to go in. Because they chose option B. Circumstance. Do you understand how important it is what you believe? And do you know how to determine what you believe? What you believe is evidenced by what you do. Always. I can say, I believe that a person ought to abide by the law on the highway. But if I drive 70 in a 60-mile speed zone, Do you think I really believe people ought to abide by law? Of course not. I believe that God can protect me from poison. He can. That's why when I went to Mexico, I prayed over everything and ate everything they put in front of me. And did not get sick. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I have friends that went to Mexico and ate stuff that was put in front of them and came back with amoebas in their liver. Okay? Not pleasant. Almost deadly, you know? What we believe is determined not by what we say, but by what we are willing to do. Hebrews says, He said, You will not enter into my rest. They provoked God. They provoked God. So, make a long story short, next morning you get up. And they've had time to think about it. And they realize that Joshua and Caleb are right. God has promised them the land. They can take the land. And so they go up the hill to get the land. And Moses said, don't do that. Don't do that. You are not going to rest. You chose not to believe God. Don't tell him now you changed your mind. This, is a, this was a, a choice that you had to make one time. And you chose not to believe God. So, they started up the hill, and the Canaanites came out, came down the hill. I mean, just routed the whole crowd. They all went running. Got back down. And Moses said, we're going back across the Jordan. Actually, it's below the Jordan, but where the Jordan would have run had it come out of the Dead Sea. He said, we're going back back across the valley to the other side. And you're going to be in the wilderness for 40 years because you would not believe God. And so every day, they go to bed, and they hear somebody else crying in another tent. They hear another another mom and another group of children crying because dad died that day. Say, so how do you know? Well, three hundred sixty times forty is how many? A bunch. But it's not six hundred thousand, and there were six hundred and sixty thousand. Men who died in that period, plus the women, plus probably the vast mixed multitude, which is two and a half to three million. So every day there's funerals, every day there's people dying, every day there's new distress for 40 years, every day. God says to us as believers, the birds in the field don't build barns and raise crops and all that. And your father takes care of them. Aren't you more valuable than sparrows? And the lilies that grow in the ditch, well, the lilies of the valley. Okay? They're not real lilies like we think of lilies and no, all these little, pretty things. And he says, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of them. Aren't you more valuable than flowers that are here today and dead tomorrow? Take no thought what you shall eat or what you shall wear. Take no thought for tomorrow. Because tomorrow will take thought for the things of itself. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All these things will be added unto you. John Wesley made the equivalent of about $30,000 a year. He didn't make near that much, but it was equivalent for his day. Okay? And he gave almost $3,000 of it to God. And the next year, he made $2,000 more than that. And he still lived on the same 27000 28000 And the next year, he made a bunch more. At the end of his life, he was making like $120,000 a year equivalents. okay? And he lived on 28000 His lifestyle never changed. Why? Because he said that God has blessed me to be a blessing. Wow. They came to find him one time and said, "Uh, uh, Mr. Wesley, Mr. Wesley, your house burned down. And he said, at least that's one of God's things I won't have to worry about anymore. What would you say if your house burned down? (laughs) Oh! When you're worried or in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. You know, oh, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? You think God didn't know before the foundation of the world that He was, you know? Of course He did. He knows what tomorrow holds. That's what the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about resting, being able to rest, doing what we know to do, doing what we know is right, and trusting God. Why didn't these people get to live in the promised land? Because of unbelief. Why do we not have rest? Because of unbelief. That's exactly why. We worry about retirement. Instead of worrying about those little girls in a Christian school in Nigeria that got kidnapped going to get sold into slavery seriously? yeah those were little girls attending a Christian school they may not have all been saved but a bunch of them were okay and how much spent time have we spent praying for them? Well, I've spent little, at least a little time praying for them. It's got to be terrifying. Who are we going to believe? What are we going to believe? Say, so, Brother Tisier, are you saying that We can have rest now. Isn't that talking about heaven? No, no. Canaan in the Bible never pictures heaven. Heaven always pictures heaven. Okay? Abraham's bosom pictures heaven. Paradise pictures heaven. The promised land pictures the life of the spirit-filled believer. Believer. Somebody who just takes God at his word. And something terrible happens and people get all upset. And you say, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. What do I have to be upset about? And someone special dies like your brother. And still, oh no. You know, it's praise God. He's in heaven. His sciatic nerve just got healed. His heart just got healed. He just lost all of his stents And his pacemaker, they cut it out. <laughs> I mean, they t- took it away from him before they buried it. <sighs> okay? I lost all of that. Oh, how's he going to live in heaven without it? Duh. We know that all things work together for good to those that love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. So lady yesterday said, Brother Casey, would you pray for so-and-so? And I said, yes. She said, he's really not doing well physically. And I said, okay, how do you want me to pray? And she said, what? I said, because his body's in this weakened condition, do you want me to pray to God make him stay here and suffer a little longer? She said, what? I said, no, I'm serious. Or do I want to pray that God's will will be done, especially if that includes Him getting to go to heaven, not have to suffer anymore? Rest. Here it is Option A worry, fret, make big plans and watch them crumble, or believe God. And rest. Option B. Option A. Option B. The choice is yours. Okay? And it will be determined, your choice will be determined by what you believe about this book. Let's pray together. Father, dismiss us with your love. Help us to recognize that you want us to trust you because you hold us in the palm of your hand and you know the number of hairs on our head and you know already what tomorrow holds and how it's going to turn out Lord we just we just trust you help us to rest I know the doctors can say some things that sound frightening but They're not the great physician. You are. And they say things that make us think we may have to face the undertaker, but you're the upper taker. You're the one who feeds the birds. You can feed us. Just help us to believe you. In Jesus' name, for His sake, amen.